Hello, and welcome to First Baptist Church. Let's pray together. And Father, we do. We, we wait upon you because we know that you are faithful and you come through. And we're so thankful, Lord, for throughout our lives, you have shown yourself faithful. You have shown that you are our refuge and strength, the very present help in every time. And so, Lord, we look to you now, and we pray that by your word and by your spirit that you would speak to our hearts, or that you would change us this day to make us more like Jesus, so that when we leave this experience, the world would see more of Christ in us. We ask this trusting you in Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's been an incredible week, as we've said several times, and we keep saying it because it's so true. And right here on my wrist, I've got a little bracelet that all the kids wore. Uh, the color of the bracelet told them what group they were in. I'm in the old people group, so mine's yellow. And uh, on it, it says, seek truth, find Jesus. Seek truth, find Jesus. And then it points them to the theme verse for the week. And if you have a bulletin in front of you, the theme verse for the week is at the bottom of the notes page. It's Jeremiah 29 and verse 13. And the verse is, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. You heard them sing it to open our service today. And I love this passage from Jeremiah because Jeremiah is speaking to God's people the words and message of Almighty God in a time that was not easy for God's people. In fact, we're going to Jeremiah 29 today. If you like to turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 29 and the Red Pew Bible in front of you, we're going to page 656. But we're going to look at Jeremiah 29 and see the context of this verse that our kids have been learning all week. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. God's people were suffering. They were suffering in exile in a land that was not their own. How many of you have felt that the land in which we live, this world in which we live, just doesn't feel much like home? Have you found that? You know, if you live long enough, you're going to find that this just doesn't feel like home. Now, to me, the idea of home is a place of sanctuary, a place where you can rest, a, a, a place where you can let your guard down, a place where you can be and just, just be comfortable in a place that is safe, well, the world has illustrated yet again, it's not home. Over the last years, we have seen that evidenced in all sorts of different types of strain. We've seen medical strain, more than just the normal medical strain, worldwide, widespread medical strain. We've seen it in financial strain. We're still seeing it in financial strain as conversations about inflation and gas prices and potential recession and rising interest rates and all of those things are happening. We've seen it in relational pressure. You know, after a couple of years of being isolated and learning to communicate simply by the 280 characters that Twitter allows, it's left us in a place where we're very raw. Have you found that? Have you found that, that sometimes people are short-tempered these days? I mean, I, I, I frequent several businesses that have had to put up signs that said, look, we're short-staffed. Please be nice to the people that have shown up because a lot of people aren't showing up right now. I mean, we're, we're tense. 
It doesn't feel like home, this tension. We've dealt with societal strain. Seeking to ensure that every person created in the image of God, and that's everybody, is treated with dignity and respect that is due the image bearers of Almighty God. It just doesn't feel like home. Well, in Jeremiah 29, God is speaking to a people who have literally been exiled. They've gone from the land that God had promised to them, that God had promised to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, on down the line. They have gone away from the land into which Joshua led them. They've been sent into exile. And Jeremiah, the prophet of Almighty God, is writing to these people, and he's going to communicate something to them that is vitally important. So we're going to see that today. Your theme for the message, if you're taking notes, is this. Seek truth, find Jesus. Seek truth, find Jesus. Jeremiah 29. Let's look at verses 1 through 9. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people, whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elasa, the son of Shaphan, and Gemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. It said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets or your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. So this first part of the message that God is sending to his people is saying this, I know you're not at home. Settle in. Settle in to this strange land and work for the welfare of the city in which you dwell. For as you work for the city's welfare, you will also work for your own welfare. This week, students from First Baptist Church, grades 6 through 12, will go out into the community and do tangible acts of service to seek the welfare of the city. When a tornado hit our community just a few months ago, God's people, and I'm not just talking about here at the corner of 12th and Chestnut, all of us who trust and follow Jesus within Bowling Green and the surrounding region went into action to make a difference, to show the people who had been so devastatingly affected by the storm that there is a God in the heavens who has come near. And although you are facing devastation, God hasn't forgotten you. And so we will seek to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We will work for the welfare of the city in which we are, even though we recognize that this world is not our home. But there's something very interesting that God said. 
Apparently, there had been some people speaking up on behalf of God, saying, no, 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 this isn't going to last long. God will get us back to Jerusalem soon. Don't worry. And God is communicating to them the very opposite message. He's saying, no, you're going to be here for a while. You need to settle in. You need to adjust to your surroundings. This is not a two-week stay. You're going to be here for decades. You're going to be here for generations. This is the truth. And so your first point that I want to give you today is a point that our kids have been learning all week. In a world that is not our home, we seek what is true. In a world that is not our home, we seek what is true. God is saying to his people, listen, there are people who are speaking on behalf of me and telling you this isn't going to last long. God is saying, I'm not saying that. They are lying to you. Is it possible in a world that is not our home, where there's strain of every kind, that sometimes we might be susceptible to clinging to a lie that sounds good in the moment? You ever done that? Just tell me something good. Don't tell me any bad news. Tell me something good. Jesus tells us to seek the truth, even if the truth doesn't sound good at the time. You remember when Pilate was there with Jesus? Pilate was questioning Jesus, and Pilate says, you a king? Now, this is just before the cross, and, and Jesus says, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. In fact, Jesus said, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And then Pilate said to him, what is truth? What is truth? Pilate had descended into this relativistic desperation that has absolutely captured our society. We have a name for it. It's called postmodernism. And there is one absolute truth in postmodernism, that there is no absolute truth. I'm not sure how that works. But this idea that you have to live your truth and I have to live my truth, but that's not how truth is defined. Truth is what is based on reality and what is based on fact, and it is not self-emanating. I don't look within to find the truth about the world around me. No, I look at what God has revealed as his truth. Jesus said that he is the personification of truth. John 14, 6, I am, Jesus said, the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus said in John 17, 17, that God's Word is truth. So we have the truth of Almighty God revealed to us, given to us, so that we might read it, understand it, and trust and follow Jesus through it. Not turning from it to the right or to the left, but keeping our eyes on Jesus. Conversely, Jesus also tells us that there is life. How many of you have found there are lies in the world? And those lies emanate from Satan. Jesus said about Satan that he is a liar and the father of lies. He said in John 8, that he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So ultimately, we either walk in God's truth or we are deceived by the lies of the enemy. Seek truth. And if Jesus is the personification of truth, as you seek truth, you find Jesus. Now, those who walk according to the truth that God has communicated are building upon a firm foundation. 
Those who choose not to walk upon the truth that God has communicated are building on shifting sands. And Jesus himself said, when the storms of life come, you see what your foundation really is. You've seen that. I've seen that. Storms come. They come for all of us. Difficulties arise. Emergencies just crop up. And when that happens, you see what's on the inside. You see what is the foundation upon which we are building our lives when the difficulties come. In Romans 1, Paul said that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against God, ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Why do they suppress the truth? Because they would rather live in deception than live in the light of God's truth. Sometimes the truth is hard to hear. How many of you have ever had somebody tell you a hard truth? Well, I have plenty of times. I married one of the people that tells me hard truths. How many of y'all have ever done that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I return the favor occasionally, but my truth's not as straightforward sometimes, right? We need to hear the truth. Jesus said about the truth that the truth would what? Set us free. Satan wants to imprison us in deception. Jesus wants us to be free. He wants to set us free, and if the Son has set you free, then you are free indeed. There were prophets that had come saying that they were speaking in God's name. There are prophets today who come saying that they are speaking in God's name and yet contradicting everything that God has said in this Bible. And all week long, we taught our kids the pledge to the Bible, the pledge of allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. I will hide its word in my heart that I might not sin against God. First Baptist Church has been saying the Pledge of Allegiance to the Bible at Vacation Bible School since long before I was born and long before you were born. And we say it, why? Because we want all of us to understand that God has spoken and His Word is true. And when we seek to build our lives upon the firm foundation of God's truth, we have a better outcome every time. It may not look that way. The world, the world does not agree with God's truth. The world says people who agree with God's truth are backward and don't understand reality. Well, they've been saying that for a long time. How would you like to have been Noah building a boat in the desert? I bet Noah faced a lot of ridicule, don't you think? What in the world are you doing? I bet they were going to his wife. He's lost his mind. Are you going to intervene and try to talk some sense into him? But Noah knew what? God had spoken, and I'll take God's word, God's truth, over what society says every single time because God is true, and he wants us to live in truth. God speaks to these people and he says, listen, don't listen to these people who are proposing to speak for me. They're not. I'm telling you the truth. Now look with me at verse 10. Here's the truth. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. Second point today is this. In a world that is not our home, we hope for rescue. We hope for rescue. God's people were hoping for rescue. They wanted to go home. 
They weren't at home. And this is the hard message God gives them. He says, look, you got seven decades. When 70 years are fulfilled, I'll bring you home. They were yearning for rescue, and God told them the truth. This is how long it's going to take. Now, what a gift from God, but what a sobering reality as well. How many of you have had to go through something that took longer than you hoped it would? Anybody? How many of you are thankful that God didn't say, this is how long this is going to take at the outset? I went through a hard thing that, that if I'd have known it would take as long as it took to get through it, I don't know what I'd have done. I lost my mind. But God was faithful through it all. He leads me step by step. He leads those who trust and follow him step by step. God here says, this is what this is going to look like. But recognize that I'm still in charge. God's still in charge. And God is still our rescuer. We need to be rescued from the wisdom of the world that is perishing. We need to be rescued from our own flesh, our sinful nature that is dead in sin. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7 said, Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we need to be rescued from our evil, sin-fallen world. But let me tell you what Paul wrote to Timothy in the last chapter of his last letter to his beloved son in the faith. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 18, Paul says this, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, this next section I'm going to read from Jeremiah 29 is going to include a verse that you're very familiar with, and it's also going to include our theme verse from VBS that our junior archaeologists have been digging up all week. And we're going to see how, for those of us who trust and follow Jesus, every single bit of this is true. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Our third and final point today is this. In a world that is not our home, we find our home in Jesus. In a world that is not our home, we find our home in Jesus. God says to his people in verse 11, I have plans for you, and I know what those plans are. Those plans are to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And while God was communicating this truth directly to the exiles in Babylon at this time, that truth also speaks to everyone who trusts and follows Jesus today, and I'm going to tell you why. Jesus is the one who in John 14 said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And Jesus said, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back to get you so that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus is talking about home. 
He's talking to his disciples who are getting ready to watch their Lord be arrested, mocked, beaten, condemned, and killed. When he is struck, they will scatter. Peter, who said, I will die for you, will instead lie about him. I don't know him. They'll disappear. And they will leave Jesus to bear in his body the punishment for their sin. They don't understand all this is getting ready to happen, but Jesus looks at them just before it happens. As he's there in the upper room with them, he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. And what I'm doing is is preparing for you the fulfillment of the plans that I have for you. Catch that. I have plans for you. I know the plans I have for you, declares Almighty God. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I have read that verse in some of the most hopeless moments of my ministry. I've read that verse when death had descended, and it had descended very early. I've read that verse when life was harder for the people with whom I was there in that moment than any other moment of their life. And you know, for all of us, we may be asking, God, If it's not turning out the way that we wanted it to turn out, how can you have plans for us that are for our welfare and not for our harm? It seems like this is nothing but harm. How do I reconcile this reality? And the truth is this, listen, if you are in Jesus Christ, you've A, admitted to God that you were a sinner and repented, you've B, believed that Jesus is the Son of God, and you've C, confessed your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, Here's the truth of what's coming for you. This world is not all there is. In fact, this world is a very minuscule, infinitesimally small portion of life for you. The song says, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. You say, well, that might be hyperbole. It's not. Do you know if you're in Christ, 10 billion years from now, you're going to continue to live in Christ? You're going to continue to be in relationship with Almighty God? You're going to continue to grow in relationship with everybody else who's in Christ, who has been raised to walk in newness of life with Jesus Christ forevermore? That is the plan that God has for you. So even though the moment looks like harm, the eternal reality is nothing but good. God knows the plans he has for you. He says in that day, you will call to me. You will call to me, and I will hear, and I will answer you. Jesus is the one through whom we come to Almighty God. We pray in Jesus' name. He said, ask the Father in my name. We come to God through Jesus, and we ask him whatever we want. And according to his will, he answers. And then... You will seek me and find me when you search for me with what? All your heart. So some of you who are participating in this service, whether you're in the room or you're in another room, you're curious about God. You're seeking, wondering what you might find. Well, here's the admonition that God gives to all of us. When you're looking for God, don't look half-heartedly. When you're looking for God, 
Look with all your heart, because here's the miracle that God has given us. The almighty God of all the cosmos, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who with a word spoke all of creation into being. And this week we've seen depths of the galaxies and of the universe that we've never seen before. You know who made that? My Father who art in heaven. Your Father who art in heaven. You know how hard it was? He said, let there be. And there was. We can't even see everything he made. Whether we go big and go as deep into the universe as we try to go, or we go as small as we can go with the, the, the most advanced microscopy, we see just a portion. And did you know that our God who made all that also made you? And our God who sustains all that also sustains you? And our God who made all that for his glory and one day will renew it all is willing to renew you. How do I know? Because Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Come to me and learn from me, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Come to me. So I don't know if Jesus will receive me. Sure he will. Right where you are. He'll open his arms to you, hug you in the biggest loving embrace you've ever experienced in your life, right where you are, right how you are. Now, he loves you too much to leave you there. He loves you too much to leave you there. And he will begin a process of transforming you by the renewing of your mind so that you become more like Jesus. And the rest of your journey on this earth will be to become more like Jesus so that when they look at you, they see less of you and more of Jesus. That's the way it's supposed to work. Because there's some people out there who are seeking truth, and we want them to find Jesus. And they may not be in a worship service right now, but they may encounter you this week. Will they see Jesus in you? He's the hope of glory. It's been an amazing week. And I pray that we would take to heart what our kids have learned all week long. Seek truth. Find Jesus. And God says you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart.